0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with veteran Brooklyn-based jazz bassist and club owner, Arthur Kell. We talked about his new 2023 CD, Speculation Quartet, Live at Lunatico, out on Origin Records. This project is a homecoming for Arthur as it merges his pursuits in bringing his music full circle. As the co-owner of the bar, Lunatico, he has contributed greatly to the nurturing and sustaining of a vibrant music scene in modern-day Brooklyn. In turn, his involvement in the scene has helped to inform and developed his latest musical explorations. Over the years, he has worked with a wide cross section of influential band leaders in New York City and around the world. He's got a great story, great energy. Enjoy this interview. Well, it's great to meet you, man. Thanks for taking a minute out today.
1: Sure. Is that New York in the background? Where is that?
0: Uh, Kansas City, Missouri. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm a visual artist as well, so I did that some years back. So that's just the, like a
1: lot of high rises, and so
0: yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I haven't yeah. been to St. Louis in a long time, so. Yeah, for Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's it's surprising. It's a surprising arts hub for people that are on the coasts. I don't think they realize it till they come here.
1: Yeah, exactly. So. I'm, I'm sure so. it's changed a lot since I was a kid.
0: Yeah, it has. It's grown up a lot. I mean, it always helps when you can win a championship or a Super Bowl. It makes things a little. Things start kind of perking up a little bit. People start coming in.
1: Right. So do you know Steve Cardness? He's a good friend of mine, lives in yeah. my building from Kansas City.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's legendary here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's my buddy. He lives upstairs from me, and, and uh, we've been playing together for a long time.
0: Yeah, he's amazingly talented, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool, man. You know, and speaking of kind of living, before we get into the latest album, I want to know, how did you survive the last three years as a musician? How did you get through the pandemic, and how has it changed you?
1: Um, Well, I do multiple things. Um, I have uh, a club that uh, we opened in 2015 and we survived the pandemic basically through uh, a couple of PPP grants through the U S government, which I have to say thank you for because they really came through for us and we paid rent that way and, uh, and survived. Um, uh, I also uh, have some property, that I own and rent, so I have other, you know, income streams. So I was a fortunate person that way.
0: So the album, the latest album with your quartet, is a live album, which has to feel good coming out of all of this because we all starved for it so hard.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, it was so difficult to to get things to happen. I had a tour and a recording session in Italy all set up for March 2020. And we went, and and I think by the time we went, I didn't have my band anymore because they were not allowed to, one taught at Princeton, another one taught at another school, and and they weren't allowed to go to Europe, you know, within about a week to go. And then I had a European band, and we went and did two gigs, and uh, the Italy thing was out, but we were going to do the rest. And after two nights, we were on our way to the third gig, and Europe started to completely shut down. We got back here and we had another date uh, lined up uh, and Omicron hit. And so that got canceled. Man. And uh, I just grabbed a moment, you know, back in February of uh, 2022 and just did a live recording and just to, to get it. And we liked the results so much. We just
0: went forward with it. So what are you hoping the listener gets from this album?
1: Um, a couple things. One is that um obviously compositionally I, I believe a lot in 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 the music that I've been writing and the band the, the way they're we're playing, we've played a lot together. Um and uh also a feeling in the club that um has been really inspirational for me and for a lot of musicians around New York City who love like an intimate situation um and it's become very popular in the neighborhood. So there's a good vibe and a good crowd there all the time. And, um, we wanted to capture some of that.
0: So did, do things feel different? Obviously, as a club owner, you've seen kind of the sea change. Are things a lot different now that the world's woken up and we're, we're getting back at it, or is it kind of getting to where it was before?
1: Honestly, it feels a little bit like the pandemic and the shutdown is a dream, you know, three years back. And it's like, I know it happened. I know it was a big deal, but the reentry is a while back. And we reopened the club and people started working again. And in the beginning, it seemed like this incredible feeling of playing music and live. And some of the first performances from a lot of the bands, I remember just being incredible, um, both for the bands and the audience. um, And but that's gone by now. It seems more like we're back the way things used to be, um, at least in terms of being able to perform more regularly. Um, we don't have as much of a late night scene in New York city. Uh, I'm talking, you know, like after midnight, uh, maybe it'll come back. I don't know. Friday night is now King. It always used to be Saturday night. Um, you know, small things, uh, they make difference if you're a club owner, but in the end, people still like to go out. They love to go out and hear live music and that's still happening. Yeah. Some clubs open, some close. There's never Mm -hmm. enough here in New York city. Maybe there's not enough anywhere.
0: Yeah, but that is the way it used to be also. So, yeah, so a lot of things kind of fall back into place. So, yeah. how did this journey into the jazz begin for you or music more specifically?
1: Well, uh rather amazingly, I was a late starter because um I didn't picture myself and think of myself as musical and I went to a school where I had to take a, a semester of music and you had to pass uh you had to take a beginning instruments class. And uh I went down there and and tried to play guitar because I grew up listening to rock and roll and and uh the Beatles or whatever, and the stones and everything and and uh, they said, "Well, the violin teacher said we'd only have orchestral strings." And I said, "Well, I guess I'll take violin." And he goes, "Well, you got big hands. why don't you play bass?" He wanted a bass for the orchestra, and he and he got it. <laughs> but that really didn't excite me until um, somebody my age, right there in this small school, happened to be Thomas Chapin, who was an incredible alto saxophonist and flautist, um, who was uh, turned into. He became the musical director for Lionel Hampton and became uh, one of the first uh, musicians recorded uh, at the Knitting Factory label, and you know toured all over the world. Became very well known. At 15 years old, he was just a guy in the building, and he grabbed me. And before I even knew what keys were and chords were, we were playing and improvising and playing free and playing tunes and playing Stevie Wonder tunes and the whole gamut. And I fell in love with music. And it was a little bit by accident, although I look back at my elementary school grades and like my best subject was music. And I just, for some reason, didn't think of myself that way. Yeah.
0: So, are you originally from New York?
1: Uh, outside of Boston, a suburb of Boston, Northwest. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. So, what was the first live jazz show you saw that blew you away?
1: Probably Ross on Roland Kirk. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thomas Chapin and I used to go into the jazz workshop in Boston. Um, and, you know, some of those live shows there were, uh, I had no idea that this was possible or, or that whole tradition. I had just started to put my toe into, of course, it had been, you know, the whole jazz tradition through the history of the United States has been there a long time, but I hadn't seen it live. Um, And I was a kid that was, you know, 15 or 16 and just going into Boston was a big deal, but we were, we were bitten by the bug and uh, just how professional that, that group was and, and um, uh, we were blown away
0: so what was your career beginnings like like what was it like to get on stage the first time how did things kind of take off for you
1: well at that school there was a jazz band it was a um we did a lot of performances we you know locally and we did a little the director did a a little tour i remember coming down to new york city and doing a gig somewhere and that was our first experience with something and um uh, you know, played in in the basement, with you know, during the summertime and, and uh, just got uh, just, you know, involved with music in many different groups. And um, it just grew from there. And by the time it was time to go to school, I think I was really I did have it in my mind to go to college because the rest of the my older brothers and sisters went to college. And um, I ended up going to Oberlin Conservatory and okay. and. But I think after a year or so of thinking that maybe I was going to be a classical musician, I was like, no, I'm not, (laughs) you know, doing some gigs locally around Ohio. Um, Looking back on it, I wish I had done a few more before I ended up in New York city. Um, But then it was very, very intense uh, coming to New York just in terms of the number of options that of gigs and sessions and meeting people and, I don't know if I ever played so much as I did when I was first coming to New York and was, you know, brand new on the scene and, and, um, was playing just all the time, practically every night.
0: So th- that's interesting. You mentioned that. How seminal was that in your development? I mean, that had to have just totally got your chops up to be in that kind of environment, I would think.
1: Yeah. Like immediately, like if you're, yeah. if you're, have your eyes open at all, you realize that you need to have, uh, everything together, and it's I think very important in uh, something for new musicians that you know get it all together before you come to an important music mecca like New York. It's not the only one, but um, you know <laughs> you're there. This is it. It's the real. It's the it's the big time, and and uh, it's time to it's time to have it all together. So.
0: Absolutely, very so, exciting. I thought, yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah, so. You've seen this from different angles, from a business side, from a playing side. After all these years, what do you like the best about being involved with the jazz community and being a musician?
1: Being on stage, absolutely. I mean, I I know the business from being a club owner forwards and backwards now and... uh it is fascinating to be on, on that side of it and realizing that I was the musician that walked in and threw my bass cover over here and my, you know, my girlfriend over there. And just like it didn't, didn't know concept that this place was trying to do business. And, and, uh, you know, most people are, most band members are great, you know, but there is a little bit of a, they, there's no way that they would know. and Maybe they don't have to know exactly how a club operates, but it sure is interesting. And just as a life experience. But, um, I would vastly, you know, prefer to, to, to play as much as possible. I was playing at my club last night and there's nothing like performing and, and, and being directly involved with, um, with, 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 you know, with music as a performer.
0: Yeah. So let me ask you this. What's the best advice you've ever gotten? Something that has resonated with you after all these years.
1: Ooh, that's a tough one. Um. I think I it came to me maybe not because somebody told me to but I think the main job that anyone has to do is to trust yourself to believe in yourself to have faith in yourself and as long as you have that you will survive um a lot of things you know uh some things may come easily some things may not you may wait for your opportunity a long time you may not you may come quickly but and then you hope that you're ready for it if it comes quickly or that you still have faith in it if it doesn't come quickly. Your job is to believe in yourself and to have faith. And maybe this is much broader than music. Maybe it's about life in general sure. because some things are going to go well and some are not. You know, the more you go on in life, it's, you know, everyone has issues. Um, nothing's perfect. No job is, is perfect. No music job is perfect. Um, but still believe in yourself, believe in, believe in, In life, and and as long as you do that, it makes a lot of things easier. But if you give up on yourself, that's hard to overcome.
0: Yeah. So why do you love jazz?
1: I I would say that I love music, first of all. I mean, I, I, I don't think of myself as a jazz musician first and foremost, although obviously almost, you know, most of my experience is there. I grew up hearing Beethoven in my house. I grew up hearing... You know, yes, or Jimi Hendrix, or uh, Sly and the Family Stone, and it's all great music to me. And I mean, look at Miles Davis's career. Look at how many different styles of things and how many different types of musicians he brought in. I think, you know, the concern is music—great music, great music. Yep. or not great music. I'd rather be playing great music, good music. Um, doesn't matter so much what it is. Bach, I still practice Bach to this day. You know, I probably will my whole life. Yeah. Um, like public assaults did, you know, not public assaults, but I think it's a life learning experience that you never reach the end of. And, um, yeah.
0: So if you could go back in time and see any performance from anybody in the history of music live, who would you love to have seen live? Oh, it's the easy
1: John Coltrane, Miles Davis. Charlie Parker, Thelonious Monk, um, you know um, Jimi Hendrix, yeah, you know um, uh, Louis Armstrong. Yeah, I, 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 you start going down that road. Sure, I, I, it's hard to pick because uh, you know um, Dexter Gordon, you know Stan Getz. I mean, <laughs> it could go on and on and on. Yeah, you know uh, uh, Grant Green. You know, yeah. I mean just. Yeah. Unbelievable players that uh, I would love to go back and
0: see so being in the cauldron of jazz where you're at you know there was a concern over this pandemic i did a lot of interviews with a lot of musicians and there was a lot of cats that were leaving and going to other cities because they couldn't afford rent and Mm -hmm. there was just quite quite frankly there was a lot of students that was like what's the future what am i going to do and there was kind of this somewhat of an exodus out of jazz but it seems as though everything's coming back it's stronger than ever what's your bead on the community how strong is it 2023
1: uh, as strong as I've ever seen it. Uh, the number of younger cats that are here and then keep coming um, is as strong as I ever remember. I mean, I remember in the pandemic, just the population in general was all leaving New York City for upstate. You know, if you're going to be closed in your house, why don't you get a rental or buy a place upstate so you can be out in the real world, the real world, you know, yeah. non-urban world, you know, if you're going to be hanging out. But, uh, yeah, a lot of people come back and um uh the 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 strength of um and the interest in music despite all the odds is as strong as i've ever seen it and we see it coming through the club you know that we own um and the the number of people you know that are looking for bookings and the different kinds of the uh types of jazz i mean there's a million types of jazz or other kinds of music because uh, we don't do just jazz at at Uh it's the they're out there, they're enthused, and I I had a a moment in a session uh, a few months ago in which somebody that I thought of as a younger player was talking about, you know, something they were doing and they were talking about the younger cats and I'm like, I'm like wait a minute, how old are you? <laughs> <laughs> and and it's it's a never-ending thing. There's always another, you know, 5 or 10 years younger crowd that's coming through and they will keep coming. I am yeah. I'm sure of that. Not just because of more jazz education programs out there, but uh I just think people fall in love with music and it's meaningful to them and that will always be true.
0: Yeah, I agree. So everyone out there, Arthur has a idea of who they think you are. Family, friends, fans, colleagues, everybody. But you run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are?
1: Um, I have put a lot of emphasis on writing original music and getting it out there. Um, I do a lot of other things, including You know, I'm a club owner, but for me at my heart and what actually matters to me in the end, what makes me the happiest is to is to try and develop a new sound of some kind. I don't know if I've ever really completely achieved that, um, but I would like to project, you know, somebody that's searching for a sound that isn't exactly been done before. Um, as best I can. Of course, everybody borrows from everybody and that's yeah. inevitable. I'm, uh, but um, if when I sit down to write and compose, I'm searching for something that isn't too similar to something that's been done before. Absolutely. And, uh, hopefully people take an interest in that. If I'm fortunate enough, I'm going on tour on Monday uh, all over Europe. So we'll see what the reaction is this time, you know.
0: Yeah, right on. Well, I tell you what, before we get out of the door here, where is the best place for people to pick up the new live album, find out about the club, anything about your world, where is the best place for people to go?
1: Well, Origin Records um, out of Seattle uh, is, is putting out the record. It's also on my Bandcamp page, um, or will be actually. It's not yet. I have some other CDs available on my Bandcamp. Um, ArthurKell.com is actually going through a revamp as we talk. Uh, because my site has been old, but that'll be available. Um, come to Bar Linotico in Brooklyn and uh, you know my band plays there periodically or at Smalls or wherever in New York City. Um, and um, for the record itself uh, uh, you know, through my website there'll be a link um, it certainly um, can be picked up through uh, Origin Records.
0: Right on. Arthur, thank you so much for taking some time out today. Thanks for your story. Best of luck with everything.
1: Thanks so much, Joe. A real pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds and club owners in Brooklyn, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Arthur for his time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends.
1: Jazz.